hands down, my favorite CD of all time would have to be Live at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Well, for sure, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. Joni Mitchell. One would have to be the essential Billy Holiday. Duke Ellington. Kind of Blue. Sticky Fingers. Beatles. The Who. Todd Rundgren. Keith Jarrett. Oscar Peters. Dave Brubeck. Songs in the Key of Life. Guy Barker is one of those British musicians that more of us should know about. He started playing the trumpet when he was 12 in 1969. And over the years, he's led his own band, played with Frank Sinatra, the Moody Blues, Sting, Wham, and Cleo Lane. Many of us first became aware of Guy when he appeared in the movie The Talented Mr. Ripley. He's the son of an actress and a stuntman, so he's been around show business all of his life. He's my special guest on Stranded. Music for a Desert Island. He'll be here in just a moment. But first, here's Guy Barker on trumpet. And this is Change Partners on Jazz FM 91. was Guy Barker, and uh, as promised, my guest is Guy Barker. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Ross. If you were going to describe the uh, the jazz scene here in London, what, what words would you use? I think I'd say it's uh, pretty healthy, it's pretty vibrant, and it's pretty friendly. Um, there's a lot of new, different stuff going on. Um, we have... Uh, jazz courses in our music colleges, you know, the the Royal Academy and the Guildhall, they have great courses and they're producing some amazing young musicians. Um, some of them uh, have proved to be quite startling lately. I, I was asked to um, kind of help out with a, a young guy who just left the Royal Academy, a guy called Ruben Fowler, who's a fantastic trumpet player, but a, a composer, and he brought his scores round to to show me to, you know, have a talk about them and see what I thought and that kind of thing, and just you know, just talk about stuff. And then he invited me to record, to go to the recording and conduct the big band, so he could just take care of his trumpet playing and and if I could just sort of steer the ship, if like if you if you like. And uh, it was amazing. There was a big band there with about 17 musicians. And I think I only knew four or five of them. Um, all the other guys were brand new, straight out of the college, and they all played amazingly. So it was really, I found it really encouraging. And I got to know these guys and they've introduced me to more people. And it's just a very, it seems, yeah, it seems to be pretty good. For people that don't know you, born in London? Yes. In Chiswick, where we are at this very moment. Not in, not in the... I wasn't born in this flat, but I was born in Chiswick. Yeah. Your first Desert Island pick is uh, Louis Armstrong and Earl Hines and Weather Bird Rag. Why this piece? Um, well, again, part of my dad's I- encouragement was when I started playing. Uh, what got me into jazz was... Uh, I was about 13. He bought home two records for me. Um, one was called Louis Armstrong in the 30s and 40s, and the other one was a, 
uh, an album called The Golden Era of Dixieland Jazz, and it featured a, a, a put-together band that had Vic Dickinson in there, Buster Bailey, and Rex Stewart. And it was Rex Stewart that turned me around completely. I'd never heard anything like it, and I used to have my school cornet sat on the sofa next to me, and I'd listen to Rex Stewart, and I'd say, how on earth are you making those noises with this instrument? It was incredible. But the Louis Armstrong album was the one that kept leading me on to other recordings. And when I heard this recording, uh, Weather, Weatherbird Rag, uh, with Earl Hines, uh, I just found it uh, magical that these two guys seemed to be having this incredible musical conversation and how it just, it was just beautiful. Louis Armstrong, Earl Hines, and Weatherbird Rag, and that's one of the Desert Island picks of my guest today. Guy Barker, trumpet player, uh, session musician, uh, arranger, conductor. Does that pretty much cover it all? Yeah. I spend most of my life composing and arranging these days, yeah. And so not as much playing? Uh, no, nowhere near as much. Uh, it, it's a strange thing because I, I always wanted to write, and I, I always did, but then... I think it was about 14 years ago when I said to myself, you know, actually, I'd, I really want to write and I want to start again. And I went to a, a, a great teacher over here who's a classical composer and teacher who also plays the saxophone and completely understands jazz. And he studied in Paris with Nadia Boulanger and Messiaen and the, all these people. And I was um, recommended to go and see him. So I sat with him and I said, I want to go right back to the beginning. Let's go back to the 16th century counterpoint that I should have been taking notice of when I was at the Royal College of Music, um, instead of rebelling and dragging a, a ghetto blaster with Miles Davis blaring out of it around the corridors of the college. And, uh, and so I started studying again. And, um, and it kind of just took me over and it was about four or five years ago when I suddenly noticed that all the calls I were getting were for arranging for singers composing and virtually all of them for very large orchestral um, setups and and it just got to the stage where it it took took over I want to go back and, and play something that's a favorite of mine of yours and it's from the soundtrack to the talented Mr. Ripley oh okay and uh, it's a version of Mona Okay. So but before we play that, tell me about the soundtrack and getting involved in it. Um, the way that came about was I, when I had a contract with Polygram, with Verve, I did three albums for them. And the last album was uh, called um, What Love Is. And it was an album with strings. And as you know, you know, there's a romantic living in the heart of every jazz musician. And so many of them record albums with strings because... It's, you know, 
it's the thing to do, you know, and it's uh, it's always a, a great moment when you get the chance. And I had a wonderful record producer who's sadly passed, uh, tragically young, actually, he was only about 50, Richard Cook, who uh, was a great writer, but also um, produced my albums. And he said, well, look, uh, the company would like you to do an album with strings. And I said, well, do they want, like, standards with strings? And he said, well you can do what you like, really. So I said, well, could we do tunes by great jazz musicians? So he said, that's a wonderful idea. So we did um, Starcross Lovers by Billy Strayhorn. We did some Thelonious Monk. We did a couple of standards. Um, we even did an Ornette Coleman medley, which was great fun. Um, but the first track on there we did was The Peacocks by Jimmy Rolls. And the film director, Anthony Mingella, heard that. And that was what got me the job. I need to get me that guy. Let's have a listen. Guy Barker and Monin on Jazz FM 91. Do you still do session work? Um, I, I do, but if I do do studio work of, of, of any kind, it's generally because I've done the arrangements rather than going in and playing. There, There's nothing like there used to be. I mean, there used to be. It was all day, every day. But there's still, you know, there's a few film sessions that go on and there's a few things that happen. But like I say, most of the things I do is, is as an arranger and I might do... A, you know, a, a, a bit for a film or something like that. And why did the session scene change? Uh, because of the digital age. Uh, because, you know, it's cheaper without using real instruments. And then if you keep playing people's samples that they hear don't really sound like the real instrument, really, but they're quite close. And then eventually you do it enough and the samples improve. Um, and, and, yeah, and it's, so much has gone. It's 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 quite sad because I miss I miss the social side of it. Actually, it was great. You know, used to used to turn up at a, at a session on. You'd be there ten o'clock in the morning, and you'd turn to your neighbour and you say, uh, "Are you here this afternoon?" You know, I said, "No, no, I'm not." Oh, where are you? Oh, I'm at, you know, I'm at CTS in Wembley. Oh, right, okay. Well, I won't see you. But where are you tonight? Oh, I said, "Well, am I email? I'm at Abbey Road tonight." Well, I'm on that. I'll see you there. And there was this kind of thing you know a camaraderie a camaraderie exactly so back in the day give me an idea of some of the sessions you would have played on oh um well i did you know i did loads of loads of different sessions i mean i i did loads of pop sessions and and playing on lots of movies and i played on a couple of james bond films um jingles i mean to be honest there were so many of them i couldn't i couldn't even remember them but you know uh, grace jones slave to the rhythm (laughs) i played on that uh, I played on, you know, George Michael, Wham, uh, Sting. Gosh, Sting, Van Morrison. Yeah, there was there was lots going on. Your next Desert Island pick is uh, Charles Mingus. The album is The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady. What do you want to play? It's the uh, first track, which is called Solo Dancer. And this was the album that I found. I'd listened to some Mingus 
and really liked it. But when I, I remember hearing this the first time when I was a teenager and I found the whole thing quite hypnotic and the, just the performance, even the, the, the kind of heart and soul that every one of the musicians put into their written part, it, it almost felt like they were all improvising, you know, which they would have been at some points, but all, all the written music, uh, just had so much depth to it and it's it's the blues <laughs> it's charles mingus Desert Island picks of my guest today, Guy Barker. Why that piece? Um, Clifford Brown and Sonny Rollins. Yes. And it's an astonishing album, as everything was with Clifford Brown. This album was called, what, Four? Uh, Sonny Rollins Plus Four is the album. Um, What happened was when I was a a teenager again, surrounded by my father and his stuntmen... The guy I mentioned before, the saxophone player, Alan Stewart, um, I started trying to improvise when I was 13 or 14 with this youth jazz orchestra in the local area. And because I'd been playing in a school brass band, every time I tried to improvise, everything to me sounded either like it was a brass band march or very old-fashioned, and I couldn't work out what to do and i spoke to him about it and he said all what you've got to do if you've got to listen to the right people so i said okay so he said come over to my place so my father drove me over to his place and he put five albums in my hand he said just listen to those one was dizzy gillespie the champ one was uh art blakey jazz messengers with lee morgan can't remember the exact album one was sonny rollins our man in jazz with don cherry the other one was this album. Um, there was another one, and I can't remember what the other one was, but this was the one, Sonny Rollins Plus Four, and I put that on, and that was like an instant love affair with Clifford Brown's sound and his playing. Uh, and from that point, from hearing that album, I went and bought every possible Clifford Brown album I could lay my hands on. Your next pick is uh, Joe Williams, along with Cal Basie. Why this piece? Um, actually, it's interesting that the, the ones that have come out, I just thought about moments in my life, and I get this, this comes back to my dad again. Um, I was going to liken it to losing your virginity, but it's not, I don't mean it in that It's You know when you discover something for the very first time and it absolutely knocks you over and 
like so many of these things these that I've been playing to you that but when I was a kid again my my dad took me to see uh, Benny Goodman at the Albert Hall with his British band which had Derek Watkins playing trumpet in it and uh, Johnny McLeavy and some great players and then I said I was just blown away by seeing this music you know in this situation and it, and when Joe Williams walked on stage this is what I heard this and ex- this this song this arrangement and my jaw just <laughs> hit the ground and I and I even now when I hear it I still get shivers <laughs> It's Joe Williams, along with Count Basie, and this is Every Day I Have the Blues, from 1955. Joe Williams and Cal Basie, and every day I have the blues, one of the Desert Island picks of our guest today on Stranded, music for a Desert Island, Guy Barker. Your next pick is uh, is John Dankworth, and uh, can you tell me more about him? Well, John, as you know, is a, a, a an icon of British jazz. He and Cleo were regarded as the, the royal royalty of British jazz. and They were a couple. Yeah, they, yeah absolutely. And... Um, but his his career was w- w- sort of it covered so many amazing areas. Um, he was one of the first guys that went over on the Queen Mary as part of the Giraldo dance bands that would include people like uh, Stan Tracy and and uh, Ronnie Scott, and they were going on there to play foxtrots and waltzes, and they weren't completely knocked out by that, but they got free passage to New York. And so when they got off at the other end, they would run down 52nd Street and they'd hear Charlie Parker and they'd hear Dizzy and Bud Powell and Fats Navarro and they'd hear their idols and maybe pick up a 78 or two and bring it back to them. And there was a club called the Club 11, I think. A group of musicians decided to form Britain's first bebop club and it was in about 1949. And John was, you know, was the guy that, that sort of he and Ronnie created, helped to create this club and to, to, to bring this music here. Because, of course, you know, in those days it was, you know, it, it wasn't like the kind of technology we have today. So they were, you know, it was, you know, they would bring home these 78s and, you know, they would all sit around and, you know, get loads of all sitting around. It, it was like uh, gold dust, you know. And you played with him. You were a member of the band. Yeah. yeah. I So John was, um, you know, he did all these wonderful uh, big band recordings and and lots of s- soundtracks for movies, all during the 60s and into the 70s. And when I started playing with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra, we, uh, we went and played at his place. He had a wonderful theatre there called The Stables, uh, which was a converted stables, uh, literally that. And uh, he had festivals and... And I, I sort of got to know him a little bit. I mean, he, he came and heard me play in the, in, in the youth orchestra. And he was incredibly supportive of the youth orchestra, really encouraging to all of us. And when I was at the Royal College of Music, I was in my last year. And I decided 
I was st- studying classical music there, but I did a recording session and I made some money, just a little bit, but enough to get me on a plane to New York. And I just really, I really wanted to go to New York and breathe it in. And and uh, I'd I'd met Clark Terry, who'd given me lessons in uh, in London, at, and Dizzy. There were people I'd you know idolised, and I went to Ronnie's and I got to meet them. Ended up playing with them when I was about seventeen. And when I was in New York on one of these trips, my mum called me because I was still, you know, I should have been at college, but I told I think I told a lie. I think I told them that I was actually having lessons with Dizzy Gillespie and Clark Terry. But while I was away, I called my mum to say I was coming home soon. She said, well, you never guess. He said, John Dankworth's been on the phone. I said, really? He said, yeah, he wants you to do a week at the Palladium with him and Cleo because they, they're, they're, you know, their regular trumpet player couldn't make it. And so that was kind of a big break for me because... You know, I just came straight back. And what do you want to play by him? I want to play one of the pieces from uh, the 60s, which is the Zodiac Suite, which featured a lot of great musicians, including Clark Terry. And this opening track features the John Dankworth Orchestra with Clark Terry. Guy, thank you. Thank you. I hope I haven't said amazing and splendid too many times. Well, when you, when you did, it was always uh, justified. <laughs> but thanks very much. My guest has been Guy Barker, and we're at his home in uh, London. Thank you. <laughs> 